Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Boston Balling. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut. I appreciate everyone joining me for another week of the show. Hope you're all having a great start to your week. Hope work's treating you well, whatever you all do for work. Hope your jobs are treating you a little well this week. Um, it's Tuesday, so you have a few more days, unfortunately. But um, hope everyone's doing well. Happy to bring you another episode. There's a lot to talk about here this week. Um, Definitely some good content that we're going to be uh, coming out with here. Red Sox, baseball, you name it. There's just a lot going on. It was a really dramatic 48 hours the last couple of days. So I'm excited to break it all down with you. I have a couple really cool guests on the show with me, too. They host a Red Sox podcast, which they're going to talk a little bit about in, um, here now in their intro. But I'm pleased to have them with me, Job and Charlie. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Thank you, Gabby. Charlie, how are you? I'm doing great, Joe. It's so nice to see you because I haven't seen your face in a couple of weeks. It's been a couple of weeks. We're no longer on the same show, Gabby. We, we alternate right. now. So Charlie and I were lined up for the weekend show, and now I'm on the midweek show. So it's Oh, wow. That's kind of sad. It must, be, it must feel nice to be reunited again, then. Joe, Joe and I, yeah, Joe and I are actually in the same state right now. So we actually made plans for, was it not next week or the week? Is it the week after that? The week, week after some, that. Yeah, yeah week fun. after that. Which Rhode is pretty Island. cool because uh, Job Job is uh, in DC and we never know where he's at. It's usually a different room in a different city every time, which is always exciting. It's like spin the wheel with Job. But <laughs> That's um, try. yeah, so uh, a little bit about uh, our, our podcast. So we are two of the five hosts for the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Uh, Bastards uh, has gone through a couple of rebrandings. The most recent name before that was the Benny and the Bets podcast, but we have since transitioned into the bastards and it's been like this for a little while now. Uh, Job, as he mentioned, we were doing the weekend show together. Now Job is working with another one of our co-hosts. I'm working with another one of our co-hosts and Terry, who's our founder uh, does both of them on the weekend. And during the week, the show itself started back in 2017 and uh, the current core has been here for the past couple of years. I remember when Job was interviewing, I remember actually getting to listen to his interview. I was muted and my video was not showing. And, and we, we both agreed that, you know, Job, Job had a little bit of fire to him. He was definitely the, the baby of the group, but we were super excited to have him join us a couple of years ago. He's been nothing short of spectacular. Our podcast can be found. It's uh, bastards underscore Boston. And uh, something that our fans uh, never cease to uh, forget is that we are unabashingly honest when it comes to when things are going great and when things are going dead wrong. True. I can attest to this, too, because I've seen even just from Twitter some of the things that they've said and also just from listening to the show. It's 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 100 percent true. Yeah. One of the disclaimers that we put in at times, we may be savagely blunt if we get smoked in a weekend, it's it's going to happen. Uh, but again, yeah, so bastards underscore Boston. You can find me, Smith underscore MLB. And then Job. You can find me at Job MLB, just J-O-B-M-L-B. Uh, Gabby, I make this joke every time I'm on a yes. show. So I'm going to go yes, ahead and do it. Yes, I was waiting. Wants me to. Oh, okay. uh, please don't send me any job applications. I do get, like, occasionally job applications sent to my Twitter. <laughs> um, I don't read them. <laughs> But if you That's have a good hilarious. resume, I might forward it along. Um, I, that I is really do, I really do enjoy it. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, like, I like talking Red Sox with everybody, even though I am very brutally honest and I can be a, a pain on Twitter because I'll make, I'll make statements and, and jokes that go over a lot of people's heads. 
Um, people take me very literally. I'm not. Yeah, always that's the tough thing about Twitter. Sometimes people take things way too seriously. And it's like, this was not meant to be serious. Like I'm a super sarcastic person too. And sometimes I'll make a sarcastic joke on Twitter and people will get so mad. They'll be like, no, but, but, but this. And I'm like, geez, like, don't take this so seriously. Like I was just making a, a funny joke, like lighten up, dude. That, that's you know? how I felt this entire weekend. So we've got a lot to talk about today, but definitely yeah. most of my tweets this week were eye rolling uh for a lot of people that's funny yeah well i appreciate you guys joining me on the show um everyone definitely check out their podcast they do a really good job covering the red sox talking about all things going on with the team um so they said it where you can find them so i definitely recommend checking it out really happy to have you guys representing your show and, and coming on here and talking to me i mean the trade deadline ended about you know a, a little over an hour ago um, so a lot went down really in the last two days overall in terms of this trade deadline. So there's a lot to definitely talk about um, when it comes to that and just our general thoughts on the whole thing. And we'll go into specifics on um, the moves the Red Sox did make. Um, but what I want to start off with is just overall, I feel like, you know, what the Red Sox did do overall, I think was a little bit unclear to people at first because it didn't seem like they were making a commitment in terms of either selling or buying at the deadline, which was a huge talk over the last couple of weeks of what were they going to do? Were they going to sell people? Were they going to try to invest in this current team to see if they can make a run? And it seems like they did a little bit of both. Um, so I want to get you guys' thoughts on, on everything overall. Um, but, you know, obviously one of the biggest ones that really is up is upsetting some people is Christian Vasquez parting ways with the Red Sox and going into the game last night I was like well if he's in that lineup this is going to be so incredibly awkward because he just walks across the hall to play for the Astros who the Red Sox played last night um I I I think from that for that from that standpoint those prospects the Red Sox got in return are pretty good and I think that they don't pull the trigger on Vasquez had they not gotten that offer from the Astros what are you? What are your initial thoughts on that whole Vasquez situation? Well, I'm going to let Charlie go first because I'm looking at the lineup right now. It doesn't look like Christian Vasquez is in the lineup tonight against the Sox. Charlie, your thoughts best. on the trade? <laughs> it's probably for the best. And Charlie's on mute. This happens once an episode, Gabby. This so. happens all the time. <laughs> it's because Job and I have a tendency to – do that like get on it like uh jump on each other so i have made this conscious decision i will always be muted if i'm not talking and sometimes i forget to unmute so that's my bad um when christian vasquez ended up getting the the move he was on the field was chatting with xander bogarts was notified that he was going to be traded to the houston astros literally switching dugouts I mean, literally the stitching on his name hadn't even been complete yet. And every reporter was there with a camera and a phone in his face. And you could just tell he did not know how to respond and how to feel or what to say. Because less than 24, 48 hours before they said, you know, like we have a really good core team. I have a, uh, I have nothing but faith in, in this team. I know we're heading in the right direction. Just tell us where we're going. And then he's gone. And as soon as that happened, it was like the domino effect. We literally thought, Nasty Nate's going to go. JD. JD's going to go. Probably Schreiber's going to go. A couple other pieces are going to go. But they'd also disclosed that we're going to add, we're going to sell. So not really just a sell team. 
The two players that we got in Emmanuel Valdez and Willier Abreu are two huge additions. I believe is their 12th and 21st prospect. Uh, Valdez on... is good. Valdez, Valdez is, is good. good. Valdez yeah. is good. And even if... Astros fans on Twitter were saying they feel like they got fleeced in the trade based on who they had to give up for a rental of Vasquez. Oh, right. They did. And uh, there's no question, right? There's no question about that. Uh, Vasquez also said he's leaving the door open to come back to Boston in 2023, which is amazing. I mean, nothing more than a dual slap to the face to Houston. Like he does not, not want to be there. It's so clear. He, he doesn't want to be there. And I was curious to know if he was going to make a pinch hit appearance and what the response was going to be. Were people going to cry when they saw him? I, I admittedly so did not think that he was going to be the first domino to fall. I, I will be the first one to say it. But I'm really excited to see what both of these young gentlemen can do. One is a speedster. One is not. One's hitting okay. And one, I believe, was hitting in the upper 280s, 290s. One's so, hitting 370. Oh, is it 370? Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, he's actually been cranking. And he's, I think that's why breaking. Astros fans are so mad. And that's great. And that's that's Valdez. Yeah. Valdez yes. is going to be the guy who may be making an appearance in 2023, if that. But both of them will be up in 2024. That's my hope. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what else happened. You know, Vasquez left. We ended up bringing in another catcher, not even close to the same pedigree. This is the guy who had caught the fifth most games at Ben, you know, for the Red Sox. So I will admit when it first happened, I was a little sad because now who do we have catching our guys? Mm -hmm. And it's rare to find a catcher of his talent too. Agreed. You know, we were talking about it yesterday, um, you know, the Bastard show last night. Uh, do we put him in the top 10? I put him in the top six, seven. Uh, as far as catchers in Major League Baseball, okay. you have only a handful of other guys that I would trust. You know, you have the JT Realmuto's out there. You have the Will Smith's out there. you got Wilson Contreras, who shockingly did not move. Um, and then Cincinnati has their catcher. I don't know what's happening there. Cincinnati, I've drawn a blank on the Cincinnati catcher, but he's injured again. And then there, there aren't too many other names uh, above Christian Tucker Vasquez. Barnhart is the guy that you're thinking of. No, yeah. there's another guy, uh, um, Stevenson. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he's, he's injured. Yeah, He's injured again, right? So yeah. um, Vasquez has never been like a close to 290, 300 hitter. And he's actually doing that this year. He was one of the lone bright spots for Boston because we had so many black holes, glaring holes, where Job and I were constantly beating up on the Frenchy Corderos, the Bobby Dahlbecks, the players that literally got up to the dish and swung at three pitches out of the zone. It wasn't pretty. So uh, admittedly so, the return makes the the hurt a little bit less so. But Christian Vasquez, I don't think this is the last of him in Boston. So I'm not devastated that he's gone. I think he will end up coming back. I I'm agree with you. I, mean, I, think, I think overall – this was in general implied that Vasquez would be a rental for Houston anyway, you know, to try to make that run this year. And if you think about the whole situation, if the Red Sox do end up getting Vasquez back in the off season, then that's a total fleece of the Astros because then they not only took a couple of prospects who definitely have a lot of potential, but have a chance to get one of the best catchers in baseball back anyway. Um, And so I think overall, yeah, it's going to hurt seeing Vasquez in that Astros uniform. Um, But, you know, I think if he comes back next year like or comes back in this offseason rather for next year, then I think at the end of the day, it's it's overall a pretty good trade by the Red Sox. I think it's a good trade right now, Gabby. I'm going to be 
kind of brutal here towards Vasquez. But yeah, he, he's been a part of some great Red Sox teams. He was drafted by Theo Epstein. I mean, yeah. he's, been, he's been here a while, long as a Red Sox player. Um, I don't think that he's as good as Valdez will be. I think Valdez is very, very talented. Um, he fills a need for the Sox moving forward as a you know utility guy. Uh, Red Sox fans who haven't seen him play, he's Brock Holt. I mean, that's that's who he reminds you of. He really is. He's Brock Holt. I love it, Brock. Um, and across Double A and Triple A this year, he's hitting 375 with a 410 OBP. Um, he does have home runs in the 20s, um, and he's already at Triple A. So there's a chance you see him September 1st when rosters expand in a month's time in Boston. And the way that people keep getting beat up uh, here for the Sox down the stretch, you might see him sooner than that. Uh, I actually think this is a great trade for the Sox. They, they win this deal even if Vasquez walks away. The only way they don't win this deal is if Vasquez signs a deal for cheap money in Houston, um, and that's not going to happen. So as far as Vasquez goes, it's, it's tough to see him go. I'm, I'm glad that Houston's not starting him against the Sox this weekend. That would have been tough to watch. Um, but I do think we, we got better the better end of this deal. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in general, this is a tough pill to swallow, right? For the, for the fans and also for the players too, because you we've seen players express that they're kind of upset with the whole situation. Xander Bogarts in particular, I know JD might have said something too, and I think it's just because of how much Vasquez has been a part of with this organization and just going through the Red Sox system and really being here for as long as he has. And it's, it's, it's rare now to see players last, you know, a really long time in a certain system like that. And I think it it's, he's really special in terms of his impact that he has on the clubhouse for the Red Sox too. So I think it's a really hard pill for people to swallow, but at the same time, like you said before, Charlie, that possibility of him coming back here in the off season is not off the table. He really, he really could. That is a possibility. And I think, I don't think it's something the Red Sox would rule out altogether. I think they might look into the option of re-signing him in the offseason next year. And But I'm also with you, Job. I think that overall, based on what the return was, that would have been hard for the Red Sox to turn down. Right. There's there's no way that wasn't going to – like, they're not going to hold off on that move. Um, Vasquez, I also – like, we're talking about that trade, Job. You just mentioned that, you know, the only way we, we get hurt is if he signs a – you know, low money deal in Houston, it's not going to happen. They're not going to do that to Martin Maldonado. And that's going to be something uh, they're really taking into consideration because I don't know how any catcher would feel or any player would feel if you bring in someone at a premier position because catchers are, are not available everywhere. Good catchers are hard to find. Martin Maldonado is not better than Christian Vasquez. Vasquez is better than him. And he already has an established rapport with that entire rotation. And that rotation lost a couple people too. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Vasquez take on those newer guys that are going to be there or whoever's going to be supplanting uh, Jake Odorizzi, who left. So um, that's the major reason why I don't think that Christian Vasquez is going to re-sign in Houston. Unless he has a ridiculous, ridiculous time in Houston, I still don't see it happening. I still think that he would be willing to take less money to come back to Boston, a place where he was loved, a place that he did well in, and a place that he excelled at, especially in 2022. Yeah, and you could even see the look on his face. He literally looked like he was about to start crying. And that, that to me, was the most powerful part of that whole thing because that shows me how much he absolutely loves 
playing in Boston. And and that that is very, very telling. And I agree with you. I think even if he wins a World Series this year in Houston, which he might, and it just stinks that it's the Astros because it's hard for me to root for a team like the Astros, but I would be happy for him personally if he won a ring this year. I would not be happy for the Astros. Let's just make that clear, everybody, before everyone kind of uh, comes at me for that. But I would be happy for Christian Vasquez, the person, if he wins a World Series ring this year. Um, and then he decides to come back to Boston. I still think if they won the World Series this year, he wouldn't stay in Houston because I think he's made it pretty apparent that he's really, really upset about not being in Boston anymore. The catching market is such that he, he could sign elsewhere for probably a five-year deal at age mm-hmm. 31. Mm-hmm. Probably only gets three from Hein Bloom. So he might not be back, but if he is back, fans will be very happy with that. I do also want to mention something that I think people are overlooking. Yeah, we got a catcher uh, at this deadline too. Um, yep, that's, that's he's a decent offensive catcher. Um, for, for those who don't know, he did hit 255 last year, 310 OBP in Reese McGuire. He's not as good as Vasquez. Um, but it probably spells the end more so for Ploiecki uh, than yes. for Vasquez's chances to come back because Maguire's a backup catcher. Yeah, um, I think Ploiecki's time here is done. I think that they that they make a move and uh, DFA Ploiecki, which I'm not really upset about, to be honest with you, because he really just has not been productive here. And I think this is the type of situation where now them getting Maguire was in anticipation that, you know, yes, they lost Vasquez, but they don't see Ploiecki being a guy of, of the future either. And they're, they're not comfortable with Ploiecki being a starting catcher here. Well, so Ploiecki is um, Alex Cora's favorite clubhouse guy. He said that before on, on multiple mm-hmm. different interviews, like Ploiecki's his guy. I think that's the reason he's still here. Um, he's a good clubhouse presence. But I, I do think there's something to be said for dropping Ploiecki and giving either Hernandez or Connor Wong um, a shot at the big league level here. They're both in their mid-20s. Both have caught the majority of the pitchers that are now in Boston at some point in, in Pawtucket um, or now Worcester. And I think there's something to be said for that. There's a rapport there already. Uh, I think this team got better um, with these moves and not worse for 2022. Yeah, uh, just to second that, uh, what Job just said, I don't think, and also what you said too, Gabby, as far as Ploiecki's concerned with Reese McGuire, McGuire's had some off-field things go on that were kind of bizarre and just really weird. I just don't understand why somebody would do that, but I don't want to get into that again. Yeah, Um, that's caused a lot of controversy over the last day, but... (laughs) Kind of of dumb, just a, a dumb decision. And there have been a lot from some of the players that are now joining the Red Sox. But I know Job and I have differing opinions on one, which I'm sure we'll get to. But Reese McGuire is an upgrade for backup. We still need to get – we still need a primary catcher. McGuire has the same number of home runs this year and last year than he had in all of 2020, which is one. So he's not here to, like, crack home runs. It's it's not like Rob Riffsnyder – who's seeing like a career resurgence. And I, I think he's done for the season now. We'll see so, what yeah. happens with that. But um, I'm curious to see what happens. It was a nice little upgrade, not a replacement, but as a nice little upgrade. Yeah. And even with that too, I mean, we can, we can talk about that whole situation too. And just um, what they did really, I think getting rid of Deakman is huge. 
I think that is another thing that they did that I am very, very happy about because he was very much a weak part of that bullpen. One thing I will say I am a little disappointed in with this trade deadline is that they that he didn't address the bullpen. I thought there was a chance in that last hour or so that he was going to come through with a pitcher to help in that bullpen. But now he sees that Matt Barnes is being activated, and I think he kind of feels like he didn't really need to address the bullpen, which I guess will hope that this doesn't backfire in Bloom's face because obviously Matt Barnes was not having a good season before he got injured. So I think that situation is going to be interesting, but I do think the whole McGuire Deekman situation, I think getting rid of Deekman is a plus for this bullpen, to be honest with you, because he's right. had too many meltdowns this year for me to want to see him still in this bullpen. Addition by subtraction. Uh, right. You're absolutely right, Gabby. The team got better by removing him from the equation. I think this means more Schreiber. I think it means more innings for Hauk. I'm okay with both uh, in a lot of ways. I also think it, it might mean that we're expecting good things from James Paxton coming back. Yeah, um, everyone's and like, that he's on the team, which is funny. He hasn't pitched for the Red Sox. They have him for two years, $10 million, right? This is a $10 million flyer. Um, nope. But if his rehab wasn't going well, I don't think they do this. And I think I they know that that means he'll probably be ready um, around mid-August was the timeline we were given, somewhere around the 10th to the 15th of August. And if that's the case, he'll slot right into that spot. And you would have had to DFA somebody anyway. So you went and got a piece. Um, yeah. I think you win that deal. Yeah, I agree. I think we won that deal. Diekman was a lefty specialist. He hasn't given up a home run to a left-handed hitter all season long. Batters hitting 188 against him. At the beginning of the season, we weren't sure what we were getting with him. He struck out the side in um, in New York, got his first save of the season in the second in his second appearance. So we're like, wow, I guess he's our closer. And then zero <laughs> saves since then. He's just been like a master holder and that's been it, but he's blown saves and the Yankees have absolutely slapped him around. Um, he got destroyed mid July against New York. And that was one of the three or four blowups he had. Horrendous. Um, absolutely horrendous. Horrendous. Like it just, it, we, we not only um, no longer have to worry about that. We're not worrying about a salary for 2023 either. Yep. And then with the, the addition of McGuire, you have someone who's under team control for the next couple of years and by the end of it, he'll be 30, 31. So is he really going to be commanding crazy money? No. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's the whole thing that people are missing in this is, yeah, people were complaining about McGuire. Like, how is he an upgrade from Vasquez? That's not the point of that move. He wasn't supposed to be an upgrade from Vasquez, nor were they planning on getting an upgrade from Vasquez. I think at the end of the day, if Houston hadn't offered what they did, Vasquez might still be here. I think it was just that offer was too hard to turn down. And then I think with Reese McGuire, it was like, okay, we have a chance to get rid of a weak link in this bullpen. Um, which is which is true. And and we can just we can, like you said, add to the catcher depth and improve because he he is a step up from Kevin Ploiecki. And I just feel like I'm looking at that whole scenario and that trade as, yeah, I mean, this was a way to dump Diekman's contract and not have to worry about him for next year when he really has not been showing up and performing in Boston. The That's what I'm really looking at that as. Yeah. And the, the last piece of that is that Reese McGuire does one thing very, very well. Um, he does, he puts the ball in play and he doesn't hit into double plays. It's like yes. the, the one thing that Vasquez does is hit into double plays. 
think last season he had 15, this season he had seven. Reese McGuire does not do that. Um, he's the king of popping out to the infield, but he does not round into double plays. So at least we got that going for him. He only has one this season. Um, that's, that's, so well said. Appearances. that's so well said, and that's so true. But, yeah, no, I think there's definitely upside here. Nobody's asking him to be a Vasquez caliber catcher, but I think that we can look at the other side of that trade as a positive. And hopefully we got rid of a piece of the bullpen that really, really was, you know, too many meltdowns uh, in for us to all be happy with him. I think everybody was just over Deakman at this point, And I think that was something that made sense. Um, like I said, I still wish they got another pitcher, but we can, we can kind of touch on that too. But yeah, overall, I mean, I'm not really complaining about that. I think they did what they had to do and I'm surprised anybody wanted Deakman to be honest with you, but hopefully he finds success elsewhere. It's just not going to be here. Um, but yeah. And then the next move was kind of a little random to me. I'm, 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 I wasn't really sure exactly where this move came from, but it does add a little bit of depth which is Tommy Pham. Um, he is somebody who has kind of been tossed around to a lot of different teams. And I do think there's a reason for that. And um, I'm a little bit concerned about that. However, that, that depth that he brings in the outfield, I feel like is important and is something that was necessary um, for this team. And, you know, especially with Kike and his situation and them just kind of throwing people in the outfield and Duran who, you know, is very hit or miss right now. Not maybe not quite ready. Maybe not. We're still trying to figure him out. And then, you know, obviously Verdugo, you can move him over, which they are doing. It looks like as of now, they're going to move him over to right field. So, and then, you know, so I think from an outfield depth perspective, Tommy Pham makes sense, but I am interested a little bit in um, kind of that move in general, because we still don't know what's to come of that move. So, you know, like there's still that question mark of that player to be named later, which Bloom seems to love the players to be named later and throws that into a lot of trades. Um, so I'm curious your thoughts on that and what your initial reactions were to him coming in. Uh, well, I'll start with this one. Um, I like the move a lot. I think Tommy Pham could be a problem for your organization if you don't have a strong clubhouse. Um, I think that's why he's moved around to a couple of different teams. The other reason that he moves around to, other to a bunch of different teams is because as a veteran bat at the deadline, he's useful. I mean, he hits 261, uh, nothing to write home about, but that's his career average. He does have a top 10 MVP finish. Uh, he's not that player anymore uh, from 2018, but he plays a decent outfield. He does not have a good arm, um, but he plays a decent outfield, and it means less Jackie Bradley Jr. in the lineup. So anytime I can get addition by subtraction with Jackie Bradley Jr. And, Gabby, I have no idea what your thoughts are on Jackie Bradley Jr., but I am not a Jackie Bradley Jr. fan because I don't like strikeouts. And the one thing that Tommy Pham does not do is strike out a lot. So I am a very big fan of this move. We, we needed that depth, especially without – you know, Ref Schneider is now also going down. So it's just a matter of who's going to play. I mean, at this point, we really need uh, healthy, healthy bats. But um, I like this move a lot. I think it makes the team better. Uh, definitely not defensively. And Tommy Pham is definitely not Hunter Renfro. No. But uh, it's definitely a good. He's also good not JBJ defensively. Nobody is really. But Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when it comes to JBJ, I mean, yeah, that was – when they traded Renfro – 
and JBJ was part of the return, that definitely was disappointing overall because it's like, yeah, JBJ's defense is better than Renfro's defense. Renfro's arm was was fantastic. I mean, that kid, that guy had a gunner for an arm, but like he did make he did make some significant errors back there that cost the Red Sox some games last year. And I think from a defensive standpoint, JBJ was an improvement, but obviously it was a significant downgrade offensively getting JBJ. And I actually thought that there was a chance JBJ was going to be moved at this deadline because I know the Phillies had expressed interest in him. And I thought there was a chance they would look into moving him, but you know, JBJ, I still have a hard time really understanding exactly where Haim came from with that trade. I think maybe he liked the prospects involved in that trade. Like but, less. Uh, um, yeah. And, and so far he's not, performing that great. I actually just saw him um, in Hartford this past weekend. I went to the game because um, I sang at the Hartford Yard Goats game, which is the Colorado Rockies double-A affiliate. Um, and they were playing the Portland Sea Dogs. So Benellis was there. She was okay. Not Nothing like super special, but obviously, you know, like he still has time. He's still young. There's still time for him to develop. But if those prospects from that trade don't pan out, that's going to look really, really bad on Heim Bloom and the Red Sox for making that trade because Renfro was key to that team last year. And, and he was one of the biggest reasons they got to the ALCS last year, in my opinion. So that is my opinion on JBJ and that whole situation. But, you know, as far as Tommy Pham goes, I do still think it's an upgrade in terms of that outfield depth. And I think he's somebody who can provide value um, where he's needed. And like you said, yeah, JBJ is not going to be as much of an everyday guy anymore. Yeah. So my opinion on, on uh, Tommy Pham was not a colorful one. It was uh, not happy. This is someone who, you know, if you didn't have a strong clubhouse, you were bringing in a potential problem into the clubhouse. But Job actually informed me about actually a nice little conversation that he had had with him and gave him, you know, what could have been five minutes turned into what, an hour? Really? Yeah, just about. Uh, I met Tommy Pham at a, a charity event and, um, ended up talking baseball for about an hour when he really only had to be at the event, you know, for five minutes flat. So that's cool. Uh, I have that, personally, personally, I like Tommy Pham as a, as a person that, that meant telling. a lot. That's really, um, really telling when you have players like that who are willing to take the time to do that and talk to a fan like that for right. that long. Yeah. Right. So and it wasn't necessarily just talking baseball. Right. So I, I thought that was awesome and very telling about him, but you know, obviously everything you see in the media and everything that he's done this year, um, can be concerning. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to be joining my fantasy baseball or football league. Uh, I, I'm not <laughs> trying to get slapped on or off camera. Uh, the Red Sox end up getting, they're picking up the $2.1 million salary for the remainder of the year. There's a $500,000 trade assessment bonus associated to Tommy Pham as well. This guy's 34 years old. He's a two time 2020 player, uh, 20 homers, 20 stolen bases. So, Although I can't imagine him stealing a boatload of bases, the threat is still there, more there than it was with Jackie Bradley. And as you both mentioned, this isn't upgrading the outfield over Franchi playing out in right field or Jackie Bradley playing in, in right field. We were talking it's about... It's, it's best for all of us if we part ways with Franchi now. No, no think... more Franchi Cordero. It's like the best thing that's happened to the Red Sox <laughs> since Jackie... You know. I've been saying this for two years. This guy got the <laughs> most ridiculous leash of all time. It's like and, Jose Castillo. 
Bruce Nicosia was just a sad, sad puppy. <laughs> like that just didn't work out from, yeah, the, from the get-go. He had moments of brilliance and they lasted for about eight seconds. But so Tommy, Tommy Pham is going to be somebody that reminds me, like who is the most comparable player that came to my mind for Tom Pham? Steve Pierce. And the name that came to my mind was actually Willie Mopena. Coincidentally, mm. it was a trade that the Red Sox had made it was 16 or 15 years ago. The Red Sox traded Bronson Arroyo for Willie Mopena. 16 years ago, that was like a deal. What's up? With the Reds. With the Reds. And where did he play? The Reds. So coincidentally, we're dance partners once more. I think the player to be named later, we obviously, we don't know who that's going to be. But I still am, at first, I was pretty upset. I was, excuse my French, PO'd. it's okay. Uh, I don't say. know if we swear. I was pissed. Say, there said, we go. I've I was said, pissed. I've but after Job, after Job, after Job had said what he told me, I do want to change my tune a little bit because I think that's a class move by a ball player that doesn't necessarily have to give anybody five minutes. But I respect athletes, professional actors, anybody who gives a fan five seconds because you are famous. You are big because of us. That is how this works. Yes. That is yes, that is why I have a, so a little bit more respect for Tommy Pham. He will have a lot longer of a leash than Franchi or Bobby D have with me as far as I'm concerned, but that doesn't take much because as soon as they come up to the dish, I'm already boiling. Oh Gabby, you got you got Charlie fired up. This is great. No, this is awesome. That was such that was so good, but that's that's the type of guy you want on your team. That's somebody right. who you show really genuinely cares about the fans and is willing to take that time. And those are the types of guys that you like to see playing for your team, you know? And I think that that's really, and I mean, even somebody else who's like that, that plays for the Red Sox right now, I'd say is Alex Verdugo. You always see him constantly going up, like interacting with fans during games or like signing stuff. And I think like people like that, you want on your team, you know, and I think that that's really cool about Tommy fam. And, you know, playing in Boston is a hard market to play in. You don't know who's going to pan out here and who's not. It's it's one of those really competitive markets with a lot of pressure. And I think for fam, you know, I think maybe being here could give him a sense of confidence of, Oh, I get to play in Boston and help them get a wild card spot and hopefully make a playoff run, you know? And I think, from his standpoint, this should be an exciting opportunity for him to be able to play in Boston. Well, he came up with St. Louis. And for those who yeah. don't know and just kind of see St. Louis as the Midwest, they're a baseball town. Like they sell out yeah. games left and right. Uh, and they're they fans. Love, they love care. the Cardinals out there. Yeah, their fans care. So he, he's been exposed to that pressure. Um, you know, he came up the year after he made his debut in 2014, the year after they lost to the Sox in the World Series. Um, He's definitely been in those environments before. He's also played for the Rays, so he's not a stranger to the American League East. He did spend two seasons with the Rays. Um, And I think the Padres is a pretty tough environment to play in. I mean, obviously, they made big moves today, but he did play a couple of seasons with the Padres as well. He's no stranger to big markets, but I'm excited to see him play at Fenway because it means less franchise in the outfield. Another move they made today. Which is a win for everybody. And... um, (laughs) in general, less strikeouts. And that's a really good thing, I think, for the product and for the fans. If you have less strikeouts and more action, the team is more fun to watch. I think the team got more engaging uh, with these moves. One more thing with uh, Tommy Pham. 
Tommy Pham was actually traded in late 2019 by the Rays to the Padres mm-hmm. for Hunter I Renfro. That. I remember that. Funny. Yeah, yeah, that was something that, um, yeah, I, I, I remember that move and I was like, interesting. Okay, let's see how this works out. And, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. So now he's here. Hunter Renfro used to be here and Hunter Renfro gave us fits. And my hope is that if Tommy Pham doesn't stay for whatever reason, he doesn't give us fits like Hunter did. Yeah, no, that's such a good point, though. And it's so ironic how much everything comes full circle from all of that at this point. And now we're looking at the aftermath of all of that and what happened in between then and where we are now. But yeah, I think personality wise, he's going to be good for this team. I think defensively, I mean, he's obviously not where Renfro was at, but I think his bat is obviously an upgrade from JBJ obviously an upgrade from Franchi. And I think overall, like he's somebody who could contribute in the back of the lineup, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, overall I'm, I'm not, I was a little confused. I was like, okay, I guess. But then I was like, you know, when you think about it and you think about the outfield and what we were looking at, it, it kind of makes sense to get somebody like that. And, you know, obviously he didn't cost that much and Bloom loves those low cost moves of guys that could make an impact somewhere. And, you know, overall, I think it's 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 decent. I think it's – I'm not – I'm curious to see how he's going to perform here. But based on the fact that they really – that he was cheap, I can't really complain in general about this. I mean, obviously, the whole player to be named later thing is, is interesting, but we'll, we'll, we'll find that out. We'll, at some point, sure enough, we'll figure out who that is. But I'm sure it's not going to be somebody, you know, like one of their top prospects or anything crazy like that. Um, so, overall, I'm okay with it. That, those are my thoughts on that. But then today, today we got we got a, a move for a legitimate first baseman, a legitimate defensive first baseman, who, by the way, I did see a stat today, has a 354 batting average at Fenway Park. Also a huge important thing as well. Also went to the same high school as Casas, which is another important thing to keep in mind here too, um, Hosmer. In the Padres, you know, this whole thing, people were, people were very conflicted on this move. I think I, based on what I saw on Twitter, there were people who didn't like it. They were like, he sucks, blah, blah, blah. Like, why are you, why are you getting a first baseman now when you have Casas who can come up um, soon? You know, like, what's the point in doing this? But at the end of the day, we have to remember we had Franchi Cordero and Bobby Dahlbeck being thrown out there to play first base. And the number of errors that those two guys have made at first base this year made it very, very apparent that if this team is serious about a playoff run, you want to get a competent first baseman who can actually play defense there. That was the biggest thing about him that that I think is the biggest storyline with this trade is he can actually play defense. He's a legitimate first baseman. And also, we don't want to rush Casas up, you know, he's been injured this year, like we want to make sure that he's actually really ready to go before he comes up and what happens if they feel like he can't come up till next season. And also the fact that they pretty much got Hosmer for free, because yeah, he's being paid through like, literally until the league minimum. So I mean, they literally pretty much got him for free, gave up one pitching prospect in groom, which I'm actually okay with. And got a couple prospects as well in that trade. Like this to me, actually, I think is 
such a win for the Red Sox right now. It's incredible how much of a win it was because they said they're going to pay a majority of it. It didn't feel like they were going to pay all of it and then interest. <laughs> and that's what it felt like because Eric Hosmer is making 13 million next year, 13 million the year after that, 13 million the year after that. That's 39 million. That gives us 5 million towards him this year. On top of that, we also got Max Ferguson and then we got Corey Rozier uh, or Corey Rozier. Uh, Rozier, I was looking up his stats so far through a and high a he's had six, six homers, 50 RBIs in 221. He had 51 stolen bases in 64 games in single A. Clearly the competition was not there, but only hitting 162 in high a Corey Rozier so far in high a is hitting 263 with six homers, 37 RBIs has 33 stolen bases. So both of these guys can run. I'm totally cool with this. And there was a, a, Someone had posted, I don't remember who it was, so I do apologize. Uh, Jay Groom was someone who was going to be on that maybe 40, maybe not 40, and there was one person that had to go, so why not Jay Groom? I don't remember who it was that said that, but... That's interesting. That mixed in with the fact that they're paying $44 million is incredible. (laughs) I was like, how does Heim Bloom do this? This is so crazy. It's it's insane. And I've given Heim Bloom a boatload of of garbage because we are falling apart. Injuries are happening. Injuries are part of the game, but I didn't feel like we were doing stuff quick enough. Like the Mariners early on when they needed a first baseman, they they got a guy in two seconds. The Red Sox didn't address some of these issues as they were happening. And that's the issue that I had. But, I mean, this is a huge, huge addition. Uh, I know Terry had mentioned that in the war room. The war room is the room that all five of the co-hosts share and yell and agree and all that stuff. Um, (laughs) But this is this is something that I mean, is huge. And we're we're all thankful that we're getting it now and not at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the year, we're probably eating 25 million of this contract. Maybe more, who knows? Yeah. But it depends on what else is coming. So this is a statistical dream for us because I don't want to see Bobby Dalbeck at first base. Nobody does. I'm done with Franchi at first base. Did I mention that I don't want to see either one of those two playing in the field or just playing at all anymore? Like that's how much I want to see them. I don't. Well, and so oh sorry. Go no, no, keep going. Keep going. Uh, no, I mean Hosmer's been someone that has been linked to Boston for years. Yes. It's like, oh, we might get Hosmer. Oh, He's two years wrong. later. Mitch Moreland with some swag. I mean, I think, you know, Eric two bags could be a real thing. Hosmer statistically has done better in the second half of the year than over the, you know, over the first. Um, But he rakes against right-handed pitching rakes. And so it doesn't matter if you put him in the two hole, the three hole, the four hole. I'm not sure when Devers is coming back. Devers Devers is supposed to be back. Is he back tonight? tonight. Okay, great. So Thank Devers is back tonight. I'm curious. Where knows, gonna... Who knows about story though? That's the one that dude, they revealed know. a fracture on that. The swelling was so bad. They got a second opinion. They found that out. I mean, as soon as you yeah. saw that pitch though, it was like the Chris sale one, the Chris sale. You heard the crack. It was, was so terrible. bad. It was Tom is in the lineup. Great. Let's see him hit a home run, please. I mean, I did was... actually see that. I saw that fam was going to be in the lineup, but um, Hosmer, not yet. Hosmer probably still has to go through physical. Uh, if I if I had to point something out, Charlie, you mentioned that we'd probably be eating $25 million of his contract if we got him at the beginning of the year. I think if anything didn't happen today the way that it happened, 
we'd be eating big money on his contract. 100%. The Padres well, that's the whole thing, desperate. too. You knew oh, yeah. once that whole Soto situation happened and him during, turning down the trade because he didn't want to go to the Nats, you knew that they were, wanted to get rid of him anyway. So I kind of figured, you know, they're not going to ask, the ask for much for him. So if somebody swoom, like, swarms in and gets him and Heim Bloom saw the opportunity to do that, Heim probably knew that – they were not going to ask for much for him because at that point they just knew they wanted to get rid of him anyway. Right. And they all of that stir was caused this morning with him having all that power because of the Soto situation and him turning down that trade. So then you knew that it wasn't going to be that much to get him. Well, I, I love the fact that Eric Cosmer was like, no, I'm not going to Washington. Like, <laughs> screw you. Fair. It's not happening. Kiss it. It's yeah. just, no. I think that's great. I thought yeah. it was amazing. So I sent he, a text at 1.37 p.m. To, to Charlie and and Terry both, both members of the show, that said that Hosmer's coming to Boston. And it just made too much sense. Like the second that he decided that he wasn't going to the Nationals, it made too much sense to fill the void there. Um, yeah. And I, I thought he was going to get a lottery ticket back. Hello. Like we can right. get it. Like we need a first baseman. We don't get anything upgrade. up. Like let's do it. <laughs> I was concerned about the salary, which was the only – Part that I didn't think, you know, we would be. I thought we would have to eat some salary. The second we don't have to eat salary, this is a major win for the Red Sox. I mean, he's not the player that he was when he was with Kansas City. He's not the player that won, you know, five Gold Gloves. Um, he's not that guy anymore. But he's an everyday first baseman, and he's, he's hitting 277. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> have any power anymore. But 277. Yeah. Um, he's only got 55 strikeouts and almost 400 at bats. This is a guy that you can put out there every day and not worry about as a defensive liability or an offensive liability. The other piece of that is he actually has reverse splits, right? I mean, he he rakes on one side of the bat, um, but he could platoon with Casas when Casas is ready yes. and, and not be in the way of that because he's also a lefty. Um, there, there is room for him and Casas to both work together. You mentioned Gabby, they went to the same high school. Like I'm sure there's a conversation that's probably already happened between those two guys at some point in time. Yeah. And I'm actually really excited for that because I know that Eric Hosmer wants to win more than anything, but I also know that he's a pretty good hitter. He helps you now and he, he probably helps you for the next year and a half because there's no guarantee that Casas is going to be ready to start next year and rake. Um, yeah, nobody knows that right now, and, you know, it's, it's so, know. yeah. And that's so, why people who are like, well, we have Casas and I'm like, but you don't know how Casas is actually going to be when he comes up and you don't want to rush him up. And also the JD situation, I think is, is a factor in this too. Absolutely. Because say JD isn't here anymore and they have an empty spot at DH. Like I wouldn't hate the idea of trying Hosmer at DH and then having Casas play first base when he comes up. Like that also versa. opens up the opportunity for that too. Right. Or vice versa, where you have Casas DH until he kind of gets used to major league pitching and then he can play first because Hosmer's a great first baseman defensively. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense to kind of ease Casas in. You're not going full youth movement. I still think the Sox team is good enough to make the, the playoffs here. Uh, some of the teams in I front of us, so I think too. we can catch Cleveland. Um, that kind of thing. I, I hate this, Gabby. I don't know how much you listen to our show, right? But I'm the guy who hates Heim Bloom. Like, that's my thing. That's my shtick. Um, I, he won every deal that he made today. I still don't think they're they're quite good enough. Um, I don't think he did enough, but he won every single deal today, and this one's a home run. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I don't really have complaints about anything he did. What I do want to ask you guys, though, because when they did get Hosmer, I thought that that was going to preference another move to maybe flip Dahlbeck um, or JD or um, Nate. So in terms of the Nate and JD situation, I thought there was a good chance that one of those guys would have been gone. How surprised are you that those two are still here? And do you are you also surprised that they didn't try to make a trade for for Dahlbeck? Or do you think that they're just going to, you know, get rid of him? I think Dahlbeck, the, the value is just not there. Um, yeah, it's not. I just, I mean, maybe it's somewhere else, just maybe not. Yeah, possible. I mean, it, it's, it's like uh, Chavis before him. It's like you, you yeah. wasted all his value, right, by like playing him into the ground against yeah. the wrong players. I know Charlie's a big Michael Chavis fan, but <laughs> the – I also thought Nate was gone. I thought Nate was going to be a St. Louis Cardinal, um, and admittedly. And right up until Jordan Montgomery for the Yankees went went to the Cardinals, I thought that was a possibility. As soon as Jordan Montgomery was dealt to the Cardinals, it felt like nobody else was in the market for a rental pitcher because everybody went and got their guy. Um, obviously, Rodon didn't move, but Luis Castillo moved for an absolute haul. Oh, yeah. Um, no, that, that was an overpay for him, by the way, I think, too. A lot overpay, and – I mean, a lot of teams made really big, big moves, but not a lot for rentals. Um, Castillo yeah. has one more year on his deal. Um, and the Mariners, too, it's like, it's like the Mariners are like, they're not even the best team in their division. Like, if they, they gave up a ton for a rental of Castillo for, you know, the next year or so, but then if they don't win at all, like, that's – that's tough because they literally giving up three top five prospects is, is a lot. For it one, is, and they're, for they're one going youth when you're not even like a team that's one of the best in the AL right now. Like, yeah, do they have a chance? Sure, but I don't think that Castillo puts them over the top to the point where they're at the same level as where the Yankees and Astros are at right now. Well, you got to think about it this way, Gabby, right? They haven't made the playoffs since 2001. So their bar is a little different than our it's bar so here in Boston. It's so true. They just want to make the playoffs. They just need yeah. to make the playoffs, and they're in the hunt. So they went out and got their guy. Um, the so Padres good. got, obviously, Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Josh Bell, great addition to that trade, but that trade's all about the best the best player on the East Coast until today. In, and the in Padres, gave up, they, Padres gave up a, a, a decent package for him, too, but still not as much as I thought they were going to. I like, agree. I thought that what I thought that what the Mariners gave up for Castillo was actually more than what the Padres gave up. And I, I, I so still too. feel like that package that the Nationals could have gotten for him could have been better based on what the situation was. I think they gave up all their leverage by telling teams that they had to move him, right? They, yeah. they could have moved him for a lot more uh, two weeks ago if <laughs> it's so the true. stories didn't it's come true. out right before the All-Star game that he was gone. Um, yeah. So true. They're selling the team here in Washington. You know, my, my sister actually works uh, for the team, Gabby, in marketing. I know she's she's devastated. She's like, oh, that's my guy. Um, but I think from a talent standpoint, they, they did as much as they could, right? Mackenzie Gore is a, a good left-handed pitcher. He might have won rookie of the year if he didn't get hurt. C.J. Abrams is going to be a fantastic player. Um, there's a couple other guys in that package that are going to be big league ready. So they went with the cheaper option because they're selling the team and they're, they're looking for a, a new owner. New owner wants less on payroll. Uh, rookies are cheaper. So it, it makes sense, but I thought they would have got more for him. But with all those, you know, the blockbuster deals going on, it almost felt like nobody was going to empty their prospect package for Nate Evaldi or, or J.D. Martinez. 
because they were going after the really big fish. And if Juan Soto didn't move, then you probably don't have J.D. Martinez. He's so probably true. a San Diego Padre. So I want to say a couple things. First off, huge shocker that Juan Soto went out there. Uh, St. Louis, I think, was rumored to be the, the top team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a package surrounding, uh, uh, I think it was Nolan Gorman, who was the, the top yeah. pick that they wanted and they were going to get because he looks like he could be an absolute star. Yeah. Um, Los Angeles and all of California, like Southern California, have five of the most bankable stars in all of baseball. You have Mookie Betts in, in Los Angeles. Trey Turner's in there as well. Walker Buehler, not so much. Trevor Bauer will never be there ever again. You had Cody Bellinger. I don't know what happened to him. Freddie Freeman mm-hmm. is there. The Padres have Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, and Juan Soto. Yeah. And they got Hayter, who's, the I think, the best closer in baseball next yeah, to Edwin Diaz. kind of shocked me, too, why they moved him, but... The they Brewers. gave him a boatload of picks Big together. Nonsense. They swapped closers and they gave him a couple other pieces too. And I think Hater not getting dealt a proper hand of justice here because he had a couple bad games. He's still elite. Like if Josh oh, yeah. Hader's coming out of the pen, you're crying because he, it's like Edwin Diaz. You're just, just like not going to have a good day. In when he's on. I mean, he is but better. unstoppable. But better. Josh Hader yeah. is a better closer than oh, he's Koji. Nasty. Oh, It's absolutely. insane. He's, he's it's dumb. Yeah. And, I just, I, that's why I was like, why are they trade? Why would they trade him? Like, I'm so confused. Makes sense. What oh, makes as soon as that sense. happened, that switched everything in my head. As soon as they went to get Hater, Soto's going to San Diego. You're not just going to yeah. get Hater and call it a day. <laughs> Fernando Tatis isn't back yet. We don't know to what degree. He keeps getting into yeah. motorcycle accidents like an idiot. He needs to figure yeah. that out too. Um, like, I'm just being real. Like, yeah, his, so his immediate response when it happened was, which one? You moron. Why'd you open your mouth? Shut up. Stop talking. <laughs> Like it's you, so you sound like a complete buffoon. You're about to get, you just got a dumb number of money, like dumb millions, dumb millions. And your immediate response was which one? Are you serious? It's like, did someone forget to pay the brain bill? You have over 300 million. You just, just and I like Fernando Tatis and in our fantasy league that we have. So Job's a part of it. Uh, Terry's a part of it. I end up trading Josh Bell and Noah Syndergaard for Houston Astro. And I hate the Astros. I can't stand them, but I like Kyle Tucker. And I was like, okay, Josh Bell's gone. He's got keeper value. Noah Syndergaard, he's gone. Both of those guys end up getting moved three days later. I thought that was hilarious. But we'll see what happens. I mean, if Tatis, Soto, and Machado are doing well, because Machado's been living up to his contract. I mean, he's playing playing like an MVP. Yeah, he's playing like an MVP caliber third baseman. And now you have Soto in there too. And Soto's going to be batting second. Yeah, like, that's insane. That, that team's genuinely going to give the Dodgers a run for their money now. I think. I think so too. I, I was surprised to see you know once they got Josh Hader, I thought that would be like a signal to St. Louis, like it's time to go get GD Martinez. So it's time too. to go get Nate Evaldi. That's why I, I thought, thought St. Louis made so much sense. I thought for sure the Cardinals and Red Sox would have made a trade at some point, like like for one of those guys. It just right. made so much sense, and it, it didn't happen. So confusing to me. But I, I'm very impressed with uh, with all the moves of this deadline. I don't think I don't feel like anybody lost. Um, big winners, obviously San Diego. I think uh, I think Toronto's a big winner uh, under the radar winner, like. getting Whit Merrifield. I think he's a yeah. an absolute stud. That was um, like at the, that was announced like right at the end of the deadline too. Like uh, within five minutes, you know, with yep. five minutes to go, that that one came out. I think that's a big win. The Yankees uh, did pretty well. They the address Yankees a lot of what did, they need, unfortunately. I think the Yankees are legitimately the best team in the American League. I think they're better than Houston. It's going to be That's fun tough. to watch them lose in the first round of the wild card. It is, and we're all going to um, laugh. 
But it's, really <laughs> it's interesting to see how many teams dealt away. I thought the Orioles. Yeah, what are the Orioles doing? That, that, their closer is really good. They traded away their closer, and they wow. are they're literally like they were like two and a half games out of that second wild card spot or something like that. So that's crazy for, to me that the Orioles were trying to sell players that actually could be part of that when for, for the first time in a long time, the Orioles are actually like in contention right now. And Trey Mancini as well. Who's like the face yeah. of that organization. I know they have youth movement going on. Yeah, but... I was like, what is that about? Like, why are, what are the, the Orioles confused me at this deadline for sure. Yeah. There were some teams that won and some teams that didn't. Um, the Rays didn't do too much. Phillies I thought did pretty well. I thought so too. I, th- I thought the Phillies might've been a partner for Nate Evaldi. I really thought, you know, Dave Dombrowski's gone and gotten Nate Evaldi at every single stop along the way. He really likes Nate, obviously. Yep. And I also thought that it made sense. They have a lot of – they don't necessarily have big prospects, but they have a lot of prospects at the double-A level that would have made sense. Um, I, I think the Red Sox made a couple of mistakes in that they didn't package some of those 40-man guys. Um, we're going to have a roster crunch. We're going to lose some prospects that Hein Bloom loves so much in the Rule Five draft. Um, but it's I'm I'm looking for more consistency from this team going forward. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'd say consistency is the best way to describe it because that's been the most frustrating thing. Obviously, the injuries too. But just in general, like I'm hoping last night's win sparked something in them. If they can take a series against the Astros, one of the best teams in the American League, that could be huge. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, this reminds me, I think by keeping Avaldi and JD, that's sending a message that Bloom isn't ready to give up on this year's team yet. And I think that that could be huge for momentum purposes in the clubhouse. And you even saw Alice Cora made a statement about how happy he is that they kept JD and and just how much of a difference that might make. And I think last night everybody was upset because of Vasquez being moved. Understandably so. The guys in the clubhouse love Vasquez. And they might have thought at that point the Red Sox were going to be full sell mode. I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, well, this should be interesting. Like, let's see what happens here. But then I think keeping guys like that sends a message that Bloom still wants to see if this team can make a run this year. Because if he didn't feel confident at all in them and wasn't confident in the people coming back from injury, I think he would have done more of a sell and tried to get rid of some of those guys who are going to be free agents anyway. And I think that that sends a message to the team. I think definitely it does. And the last thing that he did to send a message to the team, I think – he did go out and get some help. I mean, Eric Hosmer is help. And a lot of people in baseball who, you know, they only watch Sunday night baseball, right? They only ever see the Padres when it's like Padres Dodgers. Um, They don't realize how good he is. And he's a solid player. He's very respected around the league. I I think he did a lot to help the the current team. Maybe not as much as some of the players wanted looking at, you know, JD Martinez's comments. Um, But there's some confidence level there. I hope they get their swagger back here a little bit. And um, I, I maintain this, Gabby. I say this on every single show, so I'm going to drop it on your show as well. If Hein Bloom just signs Rafi Devers to a massive deal, then everybody's okay. Like, I'm back on the Hein Yeah, Bloom that needs wagon. to happen. That needs to be the first priority in the offseason, for sure. Uh, exactly. If you sign Heim, if you if Hein Bloom signs Rafi Devers to a big deal, then I will buy a Hein Bloom jersey. Until that point, I'm very much out on Heim. That's not happening. You're not buying a Heim. No, not even (laughs) if everybody gets re-signed. It's not happening. But honestly, this is like the one thing that's holding me back from saying that Heim Bloom is doing everything possible to help Boston become a winner in the future. If you do not show Rafael Devers and the fans 
more importantly, that you are serious about Devers. You do not find players like that yep. every day. You do not find them every year. You may not find them for a decade. And if you do not re-sign him, this will be worse than not doing the right thing with Betts yep. or yep. John Lester. So it feels like Garcia Parra. It really does. It's, it's like... Garcia Parra wanted out. I, I know, but I mean, it, it feels like... Yeah, like Rafi has made it clear he wants to play in Boston. Rafi is Garcia Parra in 97. Like, you got to sign him. He's the best player that you're going to have in the entire generation of players. Yeah. No, that would be that would be such a big mistake by the Red Sox. And I feel like a lot of fans would get very, very discouraged and might stop watching if they don't do that. Because that is, like you said, Charlie, that is such a generational type of talent that David Ortiz even said he saw some of himself endeavors. And that's the type of talent that if you let him go, that would be, we know would be a huge mistake. And that's right. something that you need to prioritize in the off season and everybody else. Okay. Maybe figure something else out. Maybe not. Devers is the one I'm looking at that needs to be the priority. Has to be. There's no right. op, there's Absolutely. no other option. But overall, I'm looking at this deadline and I think overall the Red Sox got better. I think the Red Sox are a better team today than they were two days ago. I think so too. And I think they're better at all levels. I think they were they're better in the minors and we're better at the big league level. So I'm very impressed with this deadline, even though I think things could have gone better. I agree. Yeah. I, 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 I still don't think he quite did enough, especially from a pitching standpoint. But I think overall he got some solid return and he did get players that make the team better. And I think people are in good spirits now that people like J.D. and Evaldi are still here. Agreed. But yeah, no, I really appreciate you guys hopping on here with me joining the show. This was a lot of fun. It was actually the, that hour flew by. For sure. I, yeah, it, I'm just looking at the time now. It said an hour. I thought it was maybe 45 minutes, 40 minutes. But yeah, it did fly. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. And it's uh, great to you know work with other great podcasts out here like yours. And uh, yeah, I mean, go Red Sox. We want, we're we 1-0 so far. Let's see if we can make it too. Yeah, right? yeah happy, to, uh, happy to join anytime, Gabby. And you know uh, anyone who's looking for us on Twitter, you can find me once again, J-O-B-M-L-B. Um, you can find Charlie at Smith underscore MLB. We love to talk Red Sox, whether it's positive or negative, depends on the day. But um, so please feel free to follow us. Send me hate mail or whatever. Um, I look forward to it. <laughs> Don't do that. But but definitely definitely check them out. They're great. Their show's great. They're very knowledgeable. Definitely recommend it. Always appreciate everybody checking out the show um, and the constant support. Go Red Sox, like they said, and I will catch you all next time on Boston Bowling. Have a great rest of your night, everybody.